Good morning. Welcome home to Cassidy Church. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I am the lead pastor here at Cassidy, and it is a great joy to be here with you, to be able to be in worship, uh, even if it's online. So I'm looking around at an empty room right now uh, because of this whole COVID-19 coronavirus uh, thing that's going on, and so we're, we're, we're doing our part to flatten the curve, and we are only meeting online during the remainder of, of this time. And so uh, we had heard from Green County and Christian County last week that that's going to be at least for 30 days. And so we're looking forward to coming together, if not in person, virtually, because we can still be the church because the church is the people, not the building. And we can still get together, even if it's not physically, we can get together virtually. And so I'm excited that you are here. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome to you. I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. If you would leave, if you're from out of town or somewhere different, just leave something on Facebook chat or on the video stream. Uh, let us know that you are here. We're excited that you are here with us. Uh, and we can't wait until we can all come back together uh, and, and be together in one another's company as the community of faith that God has called together here at Cassidy. Uh, and, and we're excited about all of that. We've been talking about this sermon series called Long Story Short. And Long Story Short is a, uh, a trip through the Bible, 13 weeks through the Bible. And the Bible is 66 books, and it takes up uh, a lot of time if you just sit down and read it. And so we're, we're trying to take that and shorten that by looking at the most important pieces, the most important people from the Bible that can help us to, to, to do three different things. The first thing is we want to learn more about God. Because God has, has given us the gift of the Bible, we want to understand what God is doing uh, in, in the writing of the Bible and how God has, has participated in that and what that means for us. The second thing that we want to do is we want to, we want to learn more about God's story of redemption. And the reason is this, is because throughout the Bible, 66 books over countless uh, amount of time, we have one story that bubbles to the surface. That one story is the story of God's redeeming love where he pursues and woos back his people and calls them back into right relationship. And then the third thing that we want to do during this series is we want to learn more about our place in God's story. And that's because we don't want it to be just their story. We want this to be our story. And so my hope is that you'll continue with us. If you're, if you're joining us for the first time, I would like to encourage you, hey, head over to our website, uh, CassidyChurch.org, and go to the resources section, and you can pull up the sermons and listen to the sermons online. We have some video sermons as well. Uh, you can go out there and check it out. And so my hope is that you'll continue to join us, because we have, for a few weeks now, we've been at this. And uh, so I'm just going to catch you up in a real quick way. First, we started with creation in Genesis. Uh, and we've moved through the exodus, and we've moved through uh, the, the kingdoms, the founding of the kingdom of Israel and the kings that were there. And now, uh, last week, we ended with the warning. And the warning was that God was saying the people weren't doing what the people needed to do. And the northern kingdom of Israel had been taken off into exile, and Judah, the southern kingdom, still was around, uh, but they weren't listening to God. They weren't paying attention to God. And, and that led to a, a period of deep darkness. And when I think about darkness, I remember when I was a kid, um, I, I, uh, I had an opportunity 
to go camping a lot. I would go camping with my, uh, with my family. Uh, we would go to this place called Wolf Creek Park, and it was uh, on Lake Livingston in right outside of Houston. And we would go to Wolf Creek Park, and usually we would go in August, and August was, uh, in Texas, extremely hot. Uh, the sun is even like, man, that's pretty warm down there. Uh, but uh, for us, we would go in August because that's when dad got off work and, and we were able to, to spend some time. And there was putt-putt and there was the lake and there was all that stuff. Well, before we went on this last, this one trip that we went on, my dad made a purchase. Uh, and for camping supplies, that was kind of an interesting thing because we typically had all that we needed. But he bought uh, this crazy flashlight. This, this was, uh, and if this doesn't look all that impressive to you, it's because honestly, it's a flashlight. Uh, <laughs> because uh, back in the day, this came in a three-pack, uh, and I'm pretty sure Sears sold it. But it used a really big battery, and Dad was excited because it was going to be the best flashlight ever. And I was like, okay, it looks like all the other flashlights, uh, except it's plastic and it would float. And maybe that's why Dad was after it. I'm not sure. But we were going to use it for camping, and we were going to use it for fishing, and so we, you know, he wanted us to get that. Uh, and so we went out to Lake Livingston, and we pitched the tent, and it starts to get dark, and my dad said, hey, go get the flashlight. Now, I don't know about what your childhood looked like, but for me, I changed the channels, so I was the remote control before there was a remote control, and I went and got stuff because that's what I did. Uh, and so I went and got the flashlight, and I went into the tent, grabbed the flashlight, shut the tent, and I was walking back to where the table was, where we were hanging out, and while I was walking back, I turned the thing on, and I was like, oh my gosh. So what happened was it was like a spotlight. Like I felt like I was adding to the illumination of the galaxy at that moment. Like there were aliens that could now know that we existed because I had turned this light on. It was so bright and it went up so high in the sky. It reminded me of the searchlights that I would see when I was a kid in Houston uh, where new things would open and they would have these big searchlights that would pan back and forth. Or maybe the bat signal could be on there. And so in my head, I'm like, man, this is crazy. This thing is so bright. And I'm, I'm walking around, I'm shining it everywhere. And I'm sure there's other campers that are now blind for life because I shined it at them. Uh, and we're walking through, I mean, I'm walking back to the table and I didn't even have to put the flashlight on the path. I was just able to wave it around and it was so bright. And I decided then that when I got home, I needed to show all my friends, this amazing flashlight that, that could illuminate so much with just a small yellow handheld piece of plastic. And so I, 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 I just made that decision and we got together when, when I went back home, I got my friends together and I was like, guys, when it gets dark, I got a surprise for you. Uh, and so it starts to get dark and the street lights come on and the cars are passing and the house lights are on and I go in the house and I grab the flashlight. And I walk out and I turn the flashlight on, expecting for the world to be transformed like it was when we were at Wolf Creek Park. And instead, what happened was all of the light pollution drowned out the power of that flashlight. And I learned something that day that I didn't know before, and that, that, that is that only in the deepest darkness is the light the brightest. We only see the light for what it truly is when it is truly dark. And I think that's important for us 
right now. It's important for our story that we're going to get to, but it's important for us at this point in life because of the situation that our world is in currently. Right now, it is, it, it, we are in a deep darkness. The, the world is so unsure. I have never lived in a time when the world has been more uncertain of what's going to happen next. And, and I mean that because we're concerned about the, the health and safety of our families. We're concerned about the health and safety of our economy. We're concerned about how many people are going to die from this, this virus, and we're concerned about what's going to happen. I've seen so many pictures of grandmothers or great-grandmothers, and they're at their grandchildren's house, and they don't even go inside. They just put their hand on the window. Because there has never been a time in my life where I've experienced the, the separation that we have currently going on. I was just talking to our office administrator earlier today, and, and we said, you know, it feels like this has just been going on forever. And we've been out one Sunday. This is the second Sunday that we have been able to come together and, or haven't been able to come together. And, and it just feels like it's been so long. And so we're in this deep darkness now, and that's when the light is the brightest. And so that's where I want us to, to recognize that, that God is still in control. And while we are sitting here and, and we're in uncertain times, God is not uncertain. God knows what's about to happen, and God knows how He's going to bring it out and what that's going to look like. And we can have confidence that our God is still on the throne and that Jesus is still in control, and we don't have to worry about what is, is going on. Now, that doesn't mean to go and do whatever you want to do. Let's, let's do our part and flatten the curve. Let's listen to the, the, the CDC, and let's listen to the folks in authority, and let's be a part of that. But we want to work to be successful to that. So we're going to start uh, in, in the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a sermon from Second Chronicles before, but that's where we're going to start. So I'm going to encourage you, if you're at home uh, and you are watching us on, on a uh, computer or whatever, pull up the Bible app. Uh, if you're at home and you have your Bible next to you, open that thing up. We're going to be in Second Chronicles, and we're going to start in verse or chapter 36, and we're going to start at verse 15, and we're going to read through for a little bit. And so I would just encourage you to have that right there with you and be ready to reference it, to make sure, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, uh, and also to, to know where that is so that you can understand where it is. If, I, if you were here, I would say, hey, we've got free Bibles outside, but uh, if you need one, let us know, and we can mail you one. We would be glad to get you a Bible any way that we can. So let us know, and we'll get you a Bible. So we're going to start again in Second Chronicles 36, and we've got to start in the darkness. So the, the northern kingdom has been taken off to exile, and this is um, God reminding people of what has happened to them. And so it says this, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Uh, what we're talking about here is when, when God is talking to their ancestors, he's talking to the Jews. He's saying, your ancestors, when, when we, we have been, I have been working diligently to keep, keep them on the covenant path, to keep them in right relationship. And they keep veering off to the right and to the left and don't say straight ahead where they're supposed to. And so God sent word through messengers. That's the prophets. 
and the judges to come before the people in, in Israel when it was one and between the northern and southern kingdom when it was two and to let them know that God wants them to turn away from their own self, self-satisfied lives, that, that they believe that, oh, they, everything's just great for them. They don't have to worry too much about what God is going to do because, hey, we've got safety, we've got money, we've got security. There's nothing we need God for. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you or not, but there is, there is some truth there that I want us to, to grasp. And then it says this, but they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. God knows that they're, they're going their own way and that, that they are self-sufficient in their own minds, not in reality. And so God says, you know, I've done all that I can, and now I'm going to withhold my protection from you, and you are going to reap what you have sown, and your relationship is going to be based off of the, the relationship that you are breaking with me is going to get you what you are about to receive. And that's this. He brought up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the places and destroyed everything of value there. We, we, we don't have a picture that is sufficient to explain what's going on here. I, I want to try and, and paint this picture for us because what, what, what we're seeing is that, that the, the security that they had, the wall around the city of Jerusalem is, is destroyed. And Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come in and they lay waste to Israel. Uh, they lay waste to Judah and they kill all of the people that are in Jerusalem. And then they go into God's temple and they sack it. They take all the wealth and riches that were in there, the gold and, and the items that we were used to worship God. And they took it as plunder back to Babylon. And then on top of that, Nebuchadnezzar did something that we can't conceive of. He carried into exile into to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. We can't understand this because we've never experienced anything like this. Uh, being Americans, it's, it's pretty easy for us to be self-confident in our authority and in our power and our country and our military might. But this would be as if another country came in and, and conquered America, and after everybody was, was killed in the war that would ensue, the rest were taken to be servants in that foreign country, that we would be slaves or servants to a new master, that we wouldn't be in charge of ourselves. And for us, this is so hard for us to wrap our mind around. And this is the utter darkness that we find ourselves in in the, this point in time. And here's, here's why. 
because when the, when, the Judah, when the Jerusalem folks are carried off into exile, this does something to them that we have never had to experience because we have the knowledge that God is with us. But their belief was that God was in the temple and that they were being carted off away from God and they weren't going to be able to be in the presence of God and they couldn't worship God and they didn't know how to talk to God. Fortunately, it was during this time of exile that God rose people up like Ezekiel who let them know that, that he was there with them. And Ezekiel said, even as I am at the rivers, of the Babylon, rivers in Babylon, God is with me. And it gave him the understanding that God was bigger than, than he had imagined and God was bigger than the people had imagined. And th- this was super helpful to them because until that moment, this this destruction of the temple and this exile separated them in their minds from God. This led them out of relationship, and they, they didn't know how to, how to quite return to that. But in the deepest darkness, that's when we can see God's light shine the brightest. And so God had prepared beforehand the people to know. Last week, I talked about Isaiah buying a field before, uh, the, before the, the northern kingdom was, was conquered. And the idea was that God is not going to leave us out and away. God is not going to leave us on our own. God is going to come back for us because we are God's people. And although we have turned our backs on God, God is not going to turn his back on us. He will remember his covenant and he will come back for us. And this is good news for us because we need to hear that right now, especially in our world. And so here is what it says in scripture. In the first year, uh, year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Now I want to pause there and I'm going to take us over to Jeremiah 29.10. But before we go there, the, the, the first year of Cyrus. So Cyrus, king of Persia, comes in and Nebuchadnezzar has, has gone by the wayside. Babylon is not the big power it used to be and Persia has conquered all. And Persia comes in, Cyrus, king of Persia, and, and in order to fulfill this word from Jeremiah, and this is what Jeremiah says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. God didn't leave the people without hope. Even though they were in deep darkness, they still had hope. And even though we can feel like right now we're in deep darkness with the uncertainty of our world, we can trust that God has hope in store for us. As a matter of fact, we can know that God has store, uh, has hope in store for us because his name is Jesus and he has done all things necessary for us to come into a right relationship with him. So here is what it continues. It says, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all of the kingdoms of earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up and may the Lord their God be with them. This was God's light 
in the darkness. No longer were they in exile, but they were freed and liberated and sent home. And can you imagine the rejoicing that occurred, the, the celebration that happened when they got to go and, and be together, when the temple was rebuilt and they were able to go and worship the Lord together as they had longed for for 70 years. I don't want you to miss this, friends, because before that 70 years, they were able to go and worship any day they wanted to. And, and, and now they just want to return to what they had before, but their hearts were inflamed and, and impassioned for God. And they knew that God was the one that had liberated them through Cyrus and had sent them back to Jerusalem. And so they were excited about it. And I want us to hear that as well. In a few weeks, maybe a little longer, we're going to be able to come back together and, and we're going to be able to experience that same homecoming that, we ha that, that they have experienced. Maybe this allows us fresh perspective on what exile means. Not that we have been exiled to a different country, but we've been exiled to our houses. We've been exiled from our friends, from our families, from the intimacy that we are used to. God created us to be people of community. And right now, that is what we are lacking so much. That's why it seems like it's taking so long for, for this to pass and why people are, are trying to find new and unique ways to, to get together and, and even though they're just doing it virtually or, or doing that kind of thing because we long for community. And the other thing that we long for is touch and the embrace and the handshake and, and the closeness that comes and so we've been exiled from that. But when we come back, it's not as if we have never been able to do this. We get to do what we had already been doing. But my hope is that we remember with, with new eyes and a new heart what it was like to be exiled from our churches, to be exiled from our restaurants and our communities and our families, to be separated because when we come back, you don't have to go to church, friends. You get to go to church. You don't have to be a part of community. You get to be a part of community. We can remember that it is all a gift, that God has first given to us the idea of community, the idea of church, the idea of all of this interaction was God's idea. God longs for us to be in community together, and that's what God is, is aiming for. And so that's my hope when we return, that we return in celebration, that we return in excitement, that we return in the presence of God, knowing that God has done a wonderful thing in our midst. Before we get to come back, we have some work that we can do, some things that we can do even though we're apart. The first, I want us to pray. I really cannot understate, uh, overstate that I want us to be in prayer. We're going to start up a deal uh, starting today where we're going to post every day on our Facebook page. We're going to post a, a, a topic that we want everybody to be in prayer for. Every day at 1,900 hours, which for you that weren't in the military, that's 7 p.m., we're doing 1,900 because COVID-19. We want to pray for different things. So today's topic is going to be, we want to pray for those that are going to be on the front lines of this virus. So doctors, nurses, hospital staff, hospital techs, everybody that's involved in the frontline defense against COVID-19 and the coronavirus, we want to be in prayer for them today. And each and every day, we're going to add another piece to that, uh, another prayer that we can be in prayer for, uh, our community, our, our leaders, all of that. Because 
prayer works and God hears his people when they turn their hearts and pray. The second thing I want us to do is, is not to forget that we can serve. Now, we're going to be limited in what we can do, but I want to encourage you, if you have ever served at least of these, they are still looking for people that are willing to volunteer. You have had to have served before, and then you have to call them to get on the schedule so that you can go serve, but they're looking for 25 folks every day to, to go and help to, to gather food and prepare it for uh, the cars to drive through because they're doing drive-by pickups for food. So we want to, to serve our community. We also want to serve our church and, and our neighborhood. So what I mean by that is you can find uh, through your church, we have, if you go on our website, we have COVID-19 help. Uh, click on that button and you can fill out, you can say, hey, I need somebody to help me with groceries. Hey, I need somebody to help me with childcare. Hey, I need somebody to help me with whatever it is. And, and if you want to volunteer to help, you can sign up for that as well on that same form. And so we're looking to serve our community through that. And here's the other thing is, you know your neighbors far better than we do. So if you know that you have a neighbor that, that, is, that is in need, that, just call them. Say, hey, how are you doing? I was just thinking about you. I just wanted to let you know that I was thinking about you. Do you need anything? Can I help you with anything? That, that's the kind of love that we can share even in the middle of this, this current pandemic that we're dealing with. And the last thing I want us to do is to support. I want us to do this in a couple of ways. One, I want us to support one another through the prayer and service but I also want us to not forget to support the church and to support the folks that are outside of the church. So be in, in constant prayer for, for the, the, the church staff, for me, for Pastor Suzanne, for Jana, for, uh, for all of our, our other staff, so that we know what to do during this time. Because I don't know about you, but like I said the first week of this, I was never taught how to pastor through a global pandemic. And so we're just trying to figure this out the same way that you are, by seeking God's face and doing everything that we can to love our neighbor the way that God has taught us to. And so I want, I want friends, to, to leave you with this thought. Uh, there was a guy named Francis uh, of Assisi. And Francis was the guy that started the Franciscan monks. And Francis, when he was growing up, he was a pretty well-off kid, and, and he thought pretty highly of himself, but God got a hold of him and made a difference in his life. And he wrote a prayer, and I want us to, to hear these words. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Friends, let's be the light of the world because Jesus has already given his light to us. And we can share that light with others because Jesus is in control. He is on his throne and he has already made a way for us to experience life, not just okay life, but life fully abundant. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for uh, all of the folks that are battling the, the coronavirus, that are battling COVID-19, that are, that are on the front lines. We thank you for them. We thank you for their hearts and their passions to serve people and to bring about 
change in, in the lives of those people. And so we ask for you to be with them. We ask for you also to be with us, that during this time when we are so concerned about the world that we would experience your presence, not in the same way that we have before, but in a new and powerful and profound way, that we would know that you are right here with us and that we would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit among us and we would have comfort and confidence in you, that we would be made more into the image of Jesus Christ each and every day, and that through that, our lives would be forever transformed so that we can one day claim that victory which you have already made available for us when we feast together in your presence and live forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.